HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Leave it in. That's funny. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a podcast about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. With me, your host, Colin Farrell. And me, the leprechaun from Lucky Charms. Ooh. Do you like Lucky Charms as a cereal? Where does it fall in your cereal roster? I liked it when I was a cereal eater. I don't eat it anymore. It's very sweet. Mm, yeah. That's what I find about all kind of nostalgic kid food that like I have like um, a soft spot for and then maybe we'll retry it. and I find it that it just tastes extremely cloyingly sweet usually yeah Lucky Charms are like it's also the non-marshmallow pieces are frosted and there's marshmallows in it so it's like a lot but I do like Cheerios still Cheerios are great and like Honey Nut Cheerios are great. And I'll tell you another cereal that I think still stands the test of time that I've had in the past couple of years. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, folks. Delicious. That's not for me. I don't know. Um, Too much plain sugar just all over it. That also reminds me, I just had a dream about someone. They were like, oh, and I got you this Captain Crunch Oops All Berries cereal, which I do like. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah. It's like... Captain Crunch, but there's no Captain Crunch in it. It's just all the berry-flavored balls. <laughs> oh, interesting. So on that tip, um, I had COVID, folks. Big reveal. A couple I thought you weren't going to reveal that. <laughs> first time, first time, long-time listener, first time uh, haver of COVID. <clears throat> I didn't, it's not all it's cracked up to be, honestly. I didn't mm. really enjoy it. Oh, yeah, you um, didn't have a good time? I didn't like it. And, like, if did fuck up my taste a little bit. I didn't like lose my taste, but it made my taste strange. It mm. made everything taste a bit bitter for a couple of days. Yeah, that's happened um, to a couple of people I know where like one of my coworkers like just couldn't really stand the taste of wine for several that's months. That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Wine. It's the only thing. Red yeah. wine tastes absolutely terrible. And now mm-hmm. everything else tastes normal again, but wine. But yeah. I went to, I went to the coffee shop 
the other day to get a cup to get a cup of Java. And <laughs> I Java said, hey, give me hut? that Java that I like. You went down to the Java hut? Yeah, I went down to Java the hut and <laughs> I got a cup of jo- a cup of Joe Biden. And yeah. um it smelled like berries to me. Like it smelled and tasted like berry, like Captain Crunch berry cereal hmm. or like fruity pebbles. And I put milk and sugar in my coffee. So it really tasted disgusting, honestly. It tasted like <laughs> I had poured banana milk into my coffee or something. Or that sounds milk. good. <laughs> I was repulsed by it, though, because it also kind of tasted like garbage to me. And I was like, oh, great. This is the thing everyone talks about with COVID when you, like, taste stuff. And it's strange. It's not like it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But my coworker um, at Zaza also works at this coffee shop. So when I got into work, I was like, Zach, can you like smell this coffee for me? I'm, I'm having a COVID experience, right? This is like, doesn't smell like berries. And they're like, oh no, it's like a weird experimental coffee that they're brewing that tastes like, like blueberries. And what? I was relieved that it wasn't me, but then I was like, this is very rude. Like, <laughs> don't ex- use experimental coffee for like the standard drip coffee. Do you know? Yeah, that's wild. Blueberries? It's not. But I like blueberries, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And if you were like, <laughs> someone was, if someone was like, hey, we have this like interesting coffee. It has extremely like berry flavor to it. Would you like to try a bit of it? Or doing a special brew. As the cup of coffee that like people mm-hmm. are just grabbing for maintenance. And then all of a sudden, and they're like. Grabbing for sending, maintenance. Yeah, everyone's like. <laughs> The baristas are like, oh, yeah, like, everyone keeps sending it back saying they think the milk is rotten and tastes bad. I'm like, this doesn't seem like a good plan, folks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, my God. That's gross, though, that it tastes like garbage. It tasted like garbage. Like hot, I'm like smelly garbage. Yeah. Like, you don't want to just, like, surprise people with a very strange fringe coffee for the <laughs> by-the-glass drip. You know what I mean? <laughs> by-the-glass. You're by-the-glass coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, people are square in this neighborhood. You know what I mean? I'm they like sure the are. least square person in my neighborhood. And I also was like offended by this coffee. It might as well have been like lasagna flavored. It, it's not appropriate. Do you know? <laughs> not it's, appropriate. Inappropriate. It's inappropriate. <laughs> Imagine what Ben Affleck would have said about something like this. Oh my goodness. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Ben Affleck because him and Dale are about to get divorced, apparently. Whoa, that's sick. Okay, so according to GOTV, Ben Affleck has been finding comfort in Jennifer Garner's company after his public feud with J-Lo. Okay, what was the public feud? at the? Was it at the Grammys when he was like, yeah. I'm bored and I had a weird face tra- transplant? The seat filler sitting next to them says that Jennifer Lopez told him he was becoming a meme at the Grammys. <laughs> and how right she was. Am I right? He was already a meme before that, though. The picture of him smoking outside with a cigarette looking sad. That's been a meme for thousands of years. Yeah. Or, like, collecting all that those packages while, like, a coffee is also spilling a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> this guy was, like, born a meme. <laughs> um, the Music Times says Ben Affleck is divorcing Jennifer Lopez after making him a laughing stock. <laughs> <laughs> she started the meme. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, and then apparently they had another argument three weeks ago about alcohol at a different, at a, at a, like a movie premiere. And then 
This article is called Ben Affleck and the Sacrifices He Has to Make to Keep Jennifer Lopez Happy. Mm. Um, according to this, it's just the normal things that you would have to do to make J-Lo happy. You have to keep her to be calm. <laughs> keep her calm? <laughs> keep her sedated at all times. <laughs> Um, Heavy drip of benzos. Yeah, because if he doesn't keep her calm, Lopez will demonstrate why she is called the diva of the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. This is borderline racist reporting, honestly. Yes. Well, definitely sexist. Um, Sure. Possibly racist. (laughs) Racist curious. Wow. How wild. So what does he have to do to keep her calm? Um, he had to do all of the moving himself when he moved into her house. <laughs> don't you think, don't like, you as, think, like, movers did that? Yeah, obviously Ben Affleck was not picking up his own boxes. Yeah, he, like, put boxes together and, like, shoved them in the back of his he Subaru. He went to the Home Depot and <laughs> got a bunch of boxes and then assembled them. <laughs> He's like, this large Tupperware, I think, will be great for my sweaters. You know, it was not in those moving supplies is that cut out of Ana de Armas, his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> He's like, do you have a five foot six box that I could put this in? Yeah. Also, Ben Affleck was already a laughing stock because of his back tattoo, right? So like, I don't understand. Yes. He's used to it by now. He's not going to divorce J-Lo, the diva of the Bronx, just because he's a laughing stock. <laughs> his face looks so different. He's gotten some work done or like, he looks like he's wearing a Ben Affleck mask. Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't his usual self during the Grammys date night, apparently, according to Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> wow. And what's his usual self? Just like I a really know. like smoking. unwieldy Boston guy smoking <laughs> and picking fights, talking about the socks. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad they're getting divorced. That means he'll be back on the market. And yeah. I also think that'll be fun because this is getting a little bit boring, you know? Like, so if they don't get divorced or, you know, have an affair or something soon. Also, they got that matching infinity tattoo, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw an amazing infinity tattoo on the internet that was (laughs) soup, salad, and breadsticks, the words in the shape of an (laughs) infinity tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this hero who got this soup, salad, and breadsticks tattoo? Unlimited. That's the smartest, funniest mm-hmm. thing I've probably yeah. ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, God bless the internet. What would we do without it? Wow, that's really funny. I've been taking in a lot of pleasure and joy recently in animal, funny animal videos, which I've <laughs> historically always loved. Um, I've always been a fan of a funny animal video ever since, you know, really the internet was invented, ever since yeah. the first cat I saw fall uh, through a Christmas tree and get electrocuted. <laughs> but... I'm loving it. And now Instagram, the algorithm really knows me, you know, it really gets (laughs) to know you. And so it just offers me up a plethora of funny animal videos. And it's really the only thing that's like getting me through my life. Yeah. I really liked the one that you posted where the cat jumped over the balcony and dropped like (laughs) 3000 feet to the ground. And everyone's like, Oh my God. And it's like, I'm fine. (laughs) It's like, this is what I do. I love that one. I loved the donkey that got its like front paws stuck in like the fence and just completely flipped over and fell on its back. Didn't see that one. Oh my God. It was so funny. Donkeys make the funniest noises. They really do go hee-haw. Do they? Yeah, they go hee-haw, hee-haw. I wonder (laughs) why. It's like the Christmas donkey in the song. Do giraffes make noises? 
Mm, unclear. Never heard a giraffe's noise, but their <laughs> necks are too long, right? What's with that? Yeah, I don't, like I said, they're like a cross between a horse and a dinosaur. Oh, wait, like we were talking about this last week. Piranosaurus. Did we say that out loud? I don't know, probably. <laughs> no, I think we were just texting about it. Okay. Um, but like, it just really prompted me to really think about how wacky animals are. They're so different. I mean, think about a mouse and like a giraffe. Like, they're both animals. But they they're sure so are. different. <laughs> they really are not very similar. No. It's so fun that there's so many kinds of animals, isn't it? A hippo? Yeah, hippos are dangerous though. They'll eat you or yeah, stomp like on you. Like a toucan. Yeah, like what is the point of a toucan? I don't know. If Besides any fruit loops are listening. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. Sorry, we're back to anti-bird propaganda. <laughs> That's true. Toucans bird are erasure. <laughs> <laughs> toucan erasure mike sala i bet you know something a thing or two about toucans a thing or two can oh nice <laughs> i know a thing or two can about toucans <laughs> toucans um, are funny huh that's a funny word toucan yeah you know giraffes are the t- largest tallest living terrestrial animal and the largest ruminant on earth. What's a ruminant? Like a I horse? Let's see. A ruminant is a her a, a hooved herbivorous animal or browsing okay. mammals. A browsing so we're, mammal. We're a browsing mammal. So yeah. a, a mammal that is not Goes really to looking store. to purchase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just looking. Killing some time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for my friend. I'm just looking. Um <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. So, okay, so that's a like we're talking horse, donkey, elk, gazelle, mm-hmm. miniature horse, pony. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you have to have a hoof. A goat. Oh, goat is the same. Interesting. Sheep. Sheep, goat. I mean, goats are obviously <laughs> tools of the devil, but whatever. <laughs> that's true. They're evil. <laughs> that's a weird animal with like a very sinister motivation in its heart there's only ninety-seven thousand giraffes on earth it doesn't seem like, like that a many. lot to me that seems like a ton where are they all <laughs> you think them... you would have seen one walking on the street if there were that many well as of 2010 which was just last year <laughs> <laughs> uh 1600 of them were in zoos i'm sure that many of those are no longer alive i don't know how long giraffes live <laughs> hopefully not very long so, okay, in 2016, there were 97,500 members of Giraffa in the wild. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Which is, you know, their species. Yeah. I just feel like, shouldn't there be, like, a million giraffes? <laughs> well, we looked up the other day at work how many chickens are in the world, and it's like five, it's like five billion or something like that. <laughs> How do they even know how many chickens there are? They, there's no way to count them. There's some chickens the that, that might name <laughs> the chicken census, obviously. Hello, hello. Uh, Is there a chicken here? How many chickens live here? Five. Right. Okay, great. How many horses are there in the world? Let's check it out. I'm gonna say three million. Okay. <laughs> no more podcast is canceled. We're just gonna Google how many animals there are. <laughs> oh my god. You were way off. <laughs> really? High or low? There's fucking 60 million horses. 60 million horses? That is scary to me. That seems like too many, right? 
That's like 60. a horse for every two people or something. Oh man, that That's is too many. Four, there's 400 breeds, um, so they're including every horse. Hold on, let's get an update for 2022. That includes mini horse, which is could live in your yeah. house. That's cute. I kind of want to get mini horse. Let's see. Yeah, 60 million horses. That. that includes wild horses too. Oh well, of course. Yeah, a horse. Oh my god, that's. <laughs> crazy i love horses i do <laughs> like time, them a lot remember when i got bit by a horse do i remember no when did that happen i don't know like last summer i was feeding a horse inappropriately and he bit my finger you're supposed to have your palm flat flat yeah because they're not like they can't tell the difference between your fingers and carrots and so yeah, he yeah. i put my hand in his mouth and he was like thank you for this carrot but it was my hand my oh finger. my god where were you this my friend lives on the south side, and that we were just. She lives right next door to like a, I don't know, a place that has two horses. One of the sixty horse million house. horses in the world. Oh, I love horses, <laughs> and I like when someone asks if I want a snack, like, "Hey, do you want some of this trail mix?" I go, "Okay, but I'm gonna eat it out of your hand like a horse," and then I do this. That is gross. No, and if cute. you did that to me, I would run away. <laughs> it's cute. And you feel like the nose and stuff. Oh, it's very cute. <laughs> anyway, um, should we get into the topic for today? Well, hold on. Which state do you think has the most horses? Really, quick Montana. Before? Um, it looks like <laughs> California. <laughs> hold on. Texas. Wow, there's quite a few in West Virginia. Oh, uh, so Mississippi. Or no, okay, Montana has. No, Nebraska, Idaho, Maryland, Oregon. Maryland? Arizona. What? Okay, actually, Texas has the most. They have almost a million horses. That's what I just said. I said Texas. That was like my third guess. I said Montana, (laughs) California, California, and Texas. California California is number two. Okay, Um, so I'm extremely smart. That's all. Yeah, you are good at guessing how many horses could fit in a place based on the size of that place. That's true. <laughs> California. I think Rhode Island, imagine. Rhode Island has like 2 million horses. All There's horses, no room no for any people. people. <laughs> There's like horses just everywhere. Oh They're getting wow. on the subway. <laughs> the famous Rhode Island horse subway system. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to our topic, which is horses. It's um, horse meat. Just kidding. We're doing... Cheese. <laughs> mm, I love it. Yeah, I'm into cheese. Um, I love cheese. It's good. I, I decided to do my research on macaroni and cheese. Sick. Because I figured there'd be some fun history behind there. And there is some history, but it's not that fun. <laughs> really? Is it evil? It's kind of depressing. Um, okay. okay. Also, I found out that people in the United Kingdom call it macaroni cheese. Not macaroni and cheese. Wow. Just like saving themselves a a syllable, I guess. Yeah. Um, That is time saving. So, yeah. Macaroni and cheese was probably invented by those wild and crazy Romans. Um, But the first ever recorded recipe for it was in the 14th century Italian cookbook, which I think is really funny that they had cookbooks in the 14th century. (laughs) I know. They were just made of like sheepskin. They're like, I live for 20 years only, and I want to write this cookbook. <laughs> Made of, like, stone tablets. <laughs> um, so in 
So yeah, it was just a simple Parmesan and pasta dish. They were like, this is great. Everyone was like, great, we love this. Um, the first modern recipe, I got this also from Wikipedia and Smithsonian Magazine. Mm. Um, the first modern recipe, according to Wikipedia, it was in 1769. I don't know what modern means to them, but that doesn't seem that modern to me. <laughs> <laughs> a person living in the year 2023, but I don't know when the article is written. Um, the first recipe was in 1769, the modern recipe. Um, mm. Elizabeth Raffald's The Experienced English Housekeeper. Um, and the recipe was basically a Mornay sauce um, okay. with macaroni sprinkled with Parmesan and baked. So like the original mm. macaroni recipes were the casserole type, you know. Right, right. Um, then Mrs. Beaton's Book of Household Management a couple of years later, says that you should serve macaroni with the cheese course. Oh, <laughs> which I think like is after funny. dinner, like yeah. dessert, like macaroni and cheese. <laughs> How interesting! I mean, I think I know. that's kind of cool. Why not? You get to eat macaroni and cheese after dinner. That's sick. Yeah, totally. You have like a full, like bolognese pasta, and then you have macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, or you have like a pot roast, and then. Macaroni and cheese. Now I want macaroni and cheese. Okay. I love it. It's it's good. Oh, yeah. It's good. Um, okay. So Thomas Jefferson, I don't know if you heard of him. He was a president of the United States of America. Um, mm. And famous slave banger. Um, <laughs> APAP. <laughs> <laughs> um, famous slave haver and banger. Um, he's sort of credited with bringing popularizing macaroni and cheese in the United States of America. So he and his slave, James Hemings, went to Paris. Um, and James Hemings is also, it should be noted, the half-brother of Thomas Jefferson's wife because yeah. Thomas Jefferson's wife's dad had sex with the slave and had six kids with her. And then one of those kids, James Hemings, became the property of Thomas Jefferson when he married Martha. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Cool guy. Yeah, definitely cool. Take that, um, all you Hamilton fans. Yeah. That's so, a, um, super but cool people. They, you know, Hemings knew how to read and write, and also he was an accomplished chef. So part of the reason why Thomas Jefferson brought him to France is because he wanted to train him as a French chef so that he wouldn't have to pay an actual French chef in his house. He just had this free slave do all the work for him. Um, Great. Because apparently French chefs were pretty expensive back then. Mm, sure. And today. Um, so they had macaroni and cheese in Paris, and they were like, OMG, we freaking love this shit. We're going to bring the recipe back to the U.S. <laughs> he commissioned the U.S. ambassador to France um, to buy a macaroni-making machine. Oh, my um, God. But then apparently it didn't work very well because Jefferson just started importing macaroni and Parmesan from France in huge quantities. Um, oh. Also, when James Hemings went to France with Thomas Jefferson to learn how to be a chef, um, he, by French law, was free. Even though like, if you go to France and you own a slave, the slave is not your property in France at right. that time. Um, but rather than stick around in France and be free, he went back to the United States with Thomas Jefferson because his whole family yeah, lived sure. there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, he eventually became the chef de 
cuisine at the Jefferson House in Monticello. And he had a bunch of people underneath him, including white people, because he was the head of the whole kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually he was able to negotiate his freedom with Jefferson by saying, like, I'll train some new chef and he will be your slave chef and I will be free. (laughs) Um, And Thomas Jefferson was like, okay, that's fine. Um, But then he committed suicide. So it's really surprising. That's a very sad story. I know. It's very sad. Um, So, yeah. But so like I said, Jefferson started importing huge quantities of macaroni and cheese and Parmesan. His last grocery order place right before he died um, was for 112 pounds of macaroni. Oh, my God. (laughs) Jeez Louise. No wonder he died. He died of a macaroni overdose. Well, that's what Smithsonian Magazine said. Well, you know what? Despite the fact that he loved macaroni and cheese so much, he actually didn't die of a heart attack. He died of a butt infection. He had like some <laughs> a nasty butt infection? infection. Yeah, he had like a nasty butt infection that basically <laughs> gave him sepsis and he died. <laughs> An NBI, a nasty butt infection? <laughs> wow. <Yeah. clears throat> well, karma's a bitch, TJ. Um, That's right. What song is that though? Like, na 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 Put a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. Yeah, that's who's the, the star of that Yan- song? Yankee Doodle. Yankee Doodle. Hmm. Yeah. Were they friends? Yankee Doodle. And I don't know. Thomas I don't Jefferson? actually know. I don't know that much about Yankee Doodle. Um, was <laughs> Silly he even name. a real person? Was his last name really Doodle? <laughs> was his first name really Yankee? <laughs> Yankee Doodle. Imagine you have a child. You're like, oh, he's so cute. What should we name him? How about Yankee Doodle? It's this is our newborn son, Yankee. <laughs> Yankee Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Yankee Doodle is a, it, okay. I have a feeling that like Yankee Doodle, if he was real, could be very like you know problematic. So I don't want to jump the gun on this. However, <laughs> Yankee Doodle could be a very funny name for a dog or a cat. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, so apparently, I don't think Yankee Doodle was a real guy, but the. They called it macaroni, means it's referring to um, like the powdered wigs that people were wear at the time. So they, mm. it was called a macaroni wig. And I'm going to show you a picture of it, but unfortunately our listener won't be able to see this. Oh, yeah, that does look like mac. What a hairdo. What an insane put, hairdo. We can link to that in the show notes, you guys. Okay, yeah, we'll link to that <laughs> crazy fucking hairdo. That's wacky, that hairdo. Yeah, I know. Yankee Doodle is apparently very into it. Um, wow, Yankee Doodle looks nuts. But, like, you know the thing about those hairdos and clothing that is so funny to me? That, like, you know, when people have, like, wacky hairdos and clothing today, they're like, yeah, I'm being wacky, and that's cool, and that is cool. That's great. But, like, they did this so unironically. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, everyone is just like, this is how we look. <laughs> they're just, like, so serious about it. Like, Bro, you look like fucking divine in hairspray, you know? Yeah, but, like, they probably also were, like, balding and had, like, scabies and stuff. They were, like, so gross and dirty back then. They had to have wigs on. Yeah, and, like, a probably nasty had alopecia. butt infection. <laughs> yeah, you could get a butt infection at any moment, and it will kill you. <laughs> a deadly butt infection. <laughs> <laughs> little known fact, folks, about your... I did not know that Jefferson died of a butt infection. I just found this up. <laughs> Taft got stuck um, in a bathtub. Jefferson yeah. died of an infected booty. Um, so, yeah, in 1802, before <laughs> Jefferson died of his butt infection. Um, 
he served <laughs> a pie called he served a pie called macaroni at a state dinner. Wow. And the Reverend Manasseh Cutler was like, I fucking hate this. Oh, wow. God would not like this. Um, but he was oh the God. only one who didn't like it. The rest of America quickly became huge fans. Um, however, it was still kind of like the food of the rich, you know, because it was like imported yeah. and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually it became cheaper and more like the food of the people. So then rich people were like, we hate it. Um, mm. There is a macaroni and cheese recipe called macaroni and cheese in a Virginia, in a, the cookbook called the Virginia housewife, um, which is the most influential book cookbook of the 19th century, which I was like, I feel like I've heard of this before when I was writing this. So yeah, the Virginia housewife, I feel like we've talked about it before for other reasons. Um, hmm. But yeah. The most influential cookbook of all time, well, of the 19th century, has macaroni and cheese in it. Um, and at that point, you know, the Virginia housewife was a normal person. She was a lay person. So, you know, rich sure. people were like, we're definitely not going to eat that shit anymore. Um, in 1851. <laughs> Causes <butt> infections. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 1851, the first cheese factory was built in the United States of America. Hmm. Prior to that, all of your cheese would be made on the farm, usually by the farm wife, mm. phrase listed by Wikipedia yeah. <laughs> or Smithsonian Magazine. Wow. Uh, the farm wife, or if you had a super prosperous farm, you would have a cheese maid doing your cheese making for you, sometimes a slave person. Mm. Um, in According to Smithsonian Magazine, industrialization means food goes from being made by women to being made by men. So true. Um and that's what happened with cheese. Most of the factories were just men working there, making all the cheese. Um, Rude. Processed cheese was invented over 100 years ago. Smithsonian Magazine refused to actually list a date. So I can't do math. And the article was written in 2017. So I don't know what 100 years ago was. <laughs> it's like over 100 years ago. Yeah. But you get, yeah. They made it. And it's, as you probably are aware, emulsified, cooked, and therefore no longer a living food, which means it doesn't alter on the shelf during right. age. doesn't change flavor. It's shelf-stable. Um, Velveeta was invented, invented in 1918, a dairy-based product with 22 ingredients that no longer is regulated. It's cheese. I feel like Sicilian's talking a little bit of shit right now. Yeah, they're throwing shade <laughs> at Velveeta. I was going to do the Velveeta story myself, but then it was, like, not that interesting. Yeah, Um but yeah, it's good because it was shelf stable. You could send it over to the soldiers. Um, it was good for weathering gluts in the cheese market. So if there was like too much cheese mm. to sell, it wouldn't go bad. Yeah. Um, it's also good for nutrients to getting nutrients to people that don't have refrigerators. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it was technically invented in Switzerland, we call it American cheese because we love processed cheese so much. We want it to be the national cheese. Of America, um, which is fine with me. I like it. I like it too. Um, yeah. And according to Smithsonian Magazine, many Americans have never had macaroni and cheese made with real cheese. And I, I hmm. question that. Um, although when I was growing up, we mostly did the box stuff. But when we'd go to like potlucks, there would be like the casserole kind with real cheese in there. Yeah. But, totally. I love craft I mean, macaroni and cheese when yeah, I was growing up. And actually like, there's this company, Anthony's, that makes this delicious cheap powdered cheddar. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, organic and it's made yellow with, like, amaranth 
Um, and it's very good. And I use it all the time when I make my, yeah. I always put it in my macaroni and cheese. It's so good. And you put it on popcorn too. Yeah. Popcorn. It's really good on, honestly, like good on, um, and like French fries or fried chicken. It's very good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my story of macaroni and cheese. Not wow. that interesting, but you did get to have a little laugh about the butt infection. <laughs> the butt infection was really the highlight of this entire story. Okay, great. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with something I have to say about cheese. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So, folks, I was inspired by Baldor, um, the criminal organization (laughs) slash food distributor, um, for the crime against cheese that they've been committing um, by charging 20 American dollars a pound for regular provolone cheese, which I've mentioned, I think, a few times on the show because I'm so annoyed by it. So I decided to speak today about cheese and crime, which is extremely (laughs) prevalent, folks. Really? Cheese. Oh, yeah. I had no idea, but apparently cheese is like the most stolen food in the entire world. Um, wow. Yeah. So I got my information today from The Atlantic, an article by Bori Lam, Smithsonian Mag, Vice Munchies, and an article in Culture Cheese Magazine by Sam Jones. So. Clever name. Very, very, very clever. So after two years of robbing Italian warehouses blind, police have finally caught up to a group behind a massive series of cheese thefts. This is in Italy. So these people are in Modena. A gang of, quote, gourmands are being charged (laughs) with the theft of 2,039 wheels of Parmigiano Reggiano. That's worth $875,000. Dang, that's almost how many horses there are in Texas. I know, that's so many. So, like, (laughs) over the span of, like, two years, these people stole that many wheels of Parmigiano. Um, That's wild. What were they doing? Just, like, reselling it? Yeah, I guess they're, like, reselling it. Parmigiano, as we all know, is extremely expensive. And in Italy, it's so expensive that some Italian banks will accept it as a loan collateral. Fascinating. I know. So you'd be like, I don't have no money, but I do have a five wheels of Parmigiano in my stable. And then they get stolen by these cheesy bandits. Why would they be in your stable? <laughs> I don't know. That's where I picture <laughs> them living, outside, the goats. Um, so anyway, this was like 11 people. They stole all of this in two years. 
Um, and then this article goes on to say, quote, the cheese heist don't stop in Italy in 2013. A man accused of stealing 21 tons of Wisconsin cheese worth about $200,000 was arrested while on the run in New Jersey. And <laughs> earlier this year, this article was written in 2016, um, a truck, a tractor trailer transporting $85,000 worth of shredded mozzarella was stolen en route to distribution center in Florida and never recovered. Is shredded mozzarella worth a lot of money? Because I feel like it's not. <laughs> I don't think so either, but I guess it was just like so, so much. And I'm like, where did these people put all this this cheese? You, you know? can freeze it. <laughs> you can freeze cheese. That's true. Yeah. But you better have like another tractor tree. I guess they stole the whole tractor tree. I don't know. It seems really wild. And I, I'm very surprised to know some of this information um, about about cheese in general and how much it's stolen. Yeah. I guess they say that 4% of all cheese is stolen. 4% of all cheese is involved in a caper. Exactly. <laughs> Not the salty kind. The criminal <laughs> kind. Um, and then I read that each year, $10 billion worth of cheese is stolen. $10 billion? A billion with a B. That's way more horses than there are in the world. I know. It's way more than... That's like about... That's chicken level. That's a... Yeah, that is chicken level. It's a dollar <laughs> of cheese money for each chicken. Um, but anyway, isn't that like extremely wild? Well, don't they think that maybe they should reconsider how much cheese costs if everyone's stealing it all the time? Like, shouldn't they be like, you know what? Maybe yes. we are charging a little bit too much. Too much for, for cheese. This. And people... So yeah. this is like including... The like petty theft of cheese, you know, that we should all be committing, like taking cheese from um, Whole Foods, like a piece of a chunk of cheese or some whatever. Absolutely, yes. Everyone should be stealing cheese from Whole Foods. You heard it here first, folks. Um, and samosas. And everything. Oh my God. My friend at work said that he went to Whole Foods a couple of weeks ago and got like a big, you know, box of salad or whatever. Now, granted, he obviously made it so big. I'm like, why would you make it so, like, two pounds? But he went up to pay for it, and it was $41. Yeah, that happens all the time when I used to work at Whole Foods. Because also, those samosas, if you put one in there, that weighs 30 pounds. Right. You're going to be paying millions of dollars. So he was Um, like, I'm sorry, but I can't afford that. Like, I'm not going to spend $41 on a salad. So he just like, he's like, I don't want to waste it, but I can't afford that. Yeah, duh. So it probably, they're used to it. They're like, no problem. Also, when cherries would get in season, people would bring them up and they'd be like, $7,000 for cherries. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> they're like $4 million a pound. Seven. And they'd be like, we're not taking these. And I'm like, add them to the other pile of cherries next to me where everyone just ditches them when they get to the <laughs> checkout. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, okay, so in Russia, um, I guess like they weren't allowed to like import anything. Um, so there's like a lot of cheese smuggling going on in Russia. The state of cheese in Russia has gotten a lot of tension this year with the Russian government trying to bust black market cheese dealers in bodegas and online. I didn't know there was bodegas in Russia. Earlier this Hmm. month, on the first anniversary of the ban of Western food products, the government aired footage of a national television of a bulldozer destroying illegally imported cheeses. Vladimir Putin also ordered foreign ham and fruits to be burned amid the criticism that the illegal foods could have been donated to those living in poverty. The counter sanctions were a retaliation to Western sanctions over the annexation of Crimea and Ukraine. Fascinating. So it's, they can't have any foreign food. Exactly. Well, no Western. No Western food. food. 
And um, they will set it on fire. Exactly. <laughs> They'll just burn it, and then it's even more delicious. Because everyone knows when you burn cheese and ham, you have a croque madame. <laughs> Delish. Um, this has led to a surge in local production. State statistics show that cheese production has increased by 30% in the first four months of 2014. But so savvy Russians have reported, yeah, that pizza made with local cheese doesn't taste the same, right? Like yak cheese Rude. on pizza, not as good. Yak cheese? <laughs> I think they have cows in <laughs> Russia. Yak <laughs> cheese. Very sour. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then I got a bunch of tiny snippets about different cheese crimes throughout history. So here are three that I thought were the funniest. This is the case of the cheese bandits. Yes. In 1928, the infamous cheese bandits were busted in Brooklyn after confessing to 25 robberies in a two-month period. They earned the title not because they stole cheese, because they frequently ate cheese while robbing delis. So they're like, <laughs> this is a robbery. Give us all your money and a bunch of slices of cheddar while we're waiting for the money. Yeah. Give me all of your boar's head. <laughs> For all their thieving and cheese eating, the three cheese bandits were eventually caught and a bail is set at $100,000, which in today's dollars would be $1.5 million. What? That's insane. I know. That's really high high bail. Um, and then this is interesting and kind of relates to the St. Valentine's Day Massacre a bit last week, which, by the way, I watched The Untouchables after the episode because I wanted to – I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. And what a great movie. What a Okay, fun, I need to watch that. Amazing film. Kevin Costner, so hot, but um, portrays Elliot Ness to be a bit of a little bitch, honestly, which maybe he was. <laughs> but also, maybe he was. He becomes much cooler as the movie come, uh, you know, unfolds. But I digress. The big cheese. During the Prohibition era of the 1920s and 30s, Al Capone reigned as a fearsome mobster and, quote, businessman. One of his many tactics was to pressure pizzerias into buying cheese from farms that he owned in Wisconsin. Nice. It was alleged that if a pizzeria denied this offer, he would set it on fire. Um, there was also a rumor that his cheesy competition went up in flames to bolster demand for his dairy products. I just like one thing that I really love about um, mafia from like this particular time in history, especially, is like they'll just do anything. They're like, I'm getting in the cheese game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing dairy now. Okay, Al. Yeah. yeah. Like, He's like, I got to have my little fingers in everything. Exactly, my little stubby fingers. But that's kind of some of the most interesting cheese crime. And then I wanted to start off with a joke, but honestly, and this is not meant to be a pun, all of the jokes about cheese are fucking cheesy, but not in a good way. <laughs> They're so dumb, I can't even read them. And that really, like, takes a lot for me because, you know, I love a dumb joke. But, yeah, there's not many good cheese jokes out there. Folks, if you have a good one, please call into the show. Nicole, should we do our top three favorite cheese or things with cheese? Yes. Okay, you go first. Well, it just occurred to me that we should call the episode The Cheese Stands Alone. Oh, great. That's a, <laughs> of course we should. That's a great and confusing line um, in The Farmer in the Dell, another wonderful nursery rhyme song. Um, That's true. What, what, how did the cheese get involved, right? It's a bunch of well, animals Well, I'm and actually I was trying to quickly look it up so yeah the cheese stands alone because i don't know why but it has a german origin so maybe it's just like a miss you know it was translated wrong das cheese stands alone <laughs> <laughs> it's making fun of all different cultures today yeah but they're all white so um, it's fine <laughs> yeah it's totally 
Totally fine. Um, other favorite cheeses. I really like um, Velveeta cheese. It's good. I'm sorry to say. Even Don't though be it's sorry. Che- an unregulated, shelf-stable cheese product. That's fine. Um, yeah, and also great for nachos, you know, because you don't have to make a roux. It just melts. Perfect. It's right, RTG. And because it's so melty, you can actually throw other cheese in there, and mm-hmm. they become one, and it, you don't have to worry about it separating. And I appreciate 100%. that. I always put American cheese in my queso. I don't – I would yeah, never – It's simply yeah. ridiculous if you don't. Um, although I do remember one time going over to someone's house, and they were making queso by just putting – a huge chunk of shredded cheddar in a saucepan and of course it went badly that's what they did just cheddar melted as queso well it didn't even work obviously it got greasy separated and you know what how weird it's ridiculous and i also like cheddar i like to have cheese and crackers is a is a favorite meal of mine a cheese cracker if you will also i like borson sorry i gotta throw it in there Oof, I love Borson. Borson is delicious. Um, I'm going to say I think my favorite things that, like, are with some things that I like that are with cheese. Okay. Okay, I really don't care. I love, like, fake cheese-flavored things. Like, I love cheddar-flavored potato chips. I like Mm. cheese doodles. I like nacho flavored Doritos. I like fake cheese-flavored things. Fake cheese is good for me. Um, Totally. Nachos, Doritos are the best. Amazing. I love, I love a tuna melt. <clears throat> yes, very good. And I love a, um, I love a grilled cheese sandwich. Although, like, I don't ever have a grilled cheese sandwich. Like, I can't remember the last time I had one. But I do really like a grilled cheese sandwich. And I, I made go, myself one the other day. I had you tomato did? soup. Yeah, oh, and I had a little, good. a little cheese toasty, as they say mm. in England. And when it comes to grilled cheese, I like a fancy grilled cheese with all kinds of fancy grilled cheese on sourdough. And I like the most bare bones, like an American cheese and white bread grilled cheese. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I made I, mine with any kind. I made mine with little cracker cut cheddar slices because that's all I had. But it worked just fine. And then I also put <clears throat> honey mustard on it. Mm. And I don't usually make mine with mayonnaise, but I tried it with QB mayonnaise and it was really good. That sounds great. And I think, like, my favorite thing with cheese is a quesadilla. Again, yeah. I like, like, a shitty quesadilla that has, like, mm-hmm. you know, shredded bag cheese or, like, a really nice quesadilla with, like, queso fresco in it. Like, yeah. any kind of quesadilla for me is delicious. I love a quesadilla There's a place so in Crown Heights or Prospect Heights. I don't know. It's called Maya Taqueria, and they have a really great quesadilla that has rice and beans inside of it. <gasps> mm. um, and it's so delicious and so fattening but really just take it handheld dip it in some salsa verde and having yourself a great time that sounds so good all right you little cheesy cheese heads um thank you so much for (laughs) cheesy gordita crunch (laughs) you little double decker taco cheesy gordita crunches um love you guys mean it and hasta la cheesy pasta (laughs) bye 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 Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.